the Lord is calling his body into warfare, but also into intimacy. And um, this week I was not uh, scheduled to speak, but some things happened, and uh, so I'm up here tonight, so y'all give me some grace, please. Um, although the subject I'm speaking on, I have a, a lot of passion about it. Um, back in 1980, um, my parents gave me this Bible. It's a C.I. Schofield reference Bible. Um, I'm not a, a follower of C.I. Schofield. Uh, he was a dispensationalist, and uh, he was influenced by some other people and some of the things that he said, but he's a, he's a good Bible uh, scholar, and uh, I find that most of the things that he um, has put in his Bible is real uh, interesting and on point. Um, but anyway, when I received this Bible, and this is the, the second cover, I went to pick it up, and um, my name is Charlie Gray, G-R-A-Y Walker, and um, my, I was named for my grandfather, who was a mayor of Perry. His name was Charlie Gray, and um, so I wanted, uh, my name is actually Charles, but I wanted Charlie Gray Walker put on it. I get to the uh, bookstore, and they put uh, Charlie Gary Walker on it. And I said, um, uh, y'all put the wrong name on here. And the man said, well, that's what you wrote down. And I said, uh, no, sir, I don't think so. So he pulls it out, and he looks, and he said, uh-oh, we, we goofed. But please keep this Bible because it's, it's, uh, it costs a lot of money, and uh, um, please don't make us have to just throw this Bible away. And I said, well, okay. And, um, and so I went home and got some fingernail polish, and I uh, rubbed out the ARY uh, part of it. And um, since then, I've had to replace the cover, and I got the name right. Um, <coughs> when, they, um, when they replaced it, they left out some things that... Uh, um, that I am sorry they left out, but I've got a lot of interesting things in this Bible, like, uh, for instance, uh, um, back here in the back, uh, there was a young man that came here, and on uh, September the 5th, 1987, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit in this house, and um, his name is Steve Keener. Um, I've also got where some other people um, were uh, accepted Christ here and or were baptized in the Spirit or both. But um, the reason I'm bringing this Bible up to you tonight, it doesn't seem relevant to what we're talking about, but it, it will in just a minute. There was a singer <coughs> uh, who is still singing today to some extent by the name of Twyla Paris. I'm sure you know Twyla Paris, how beautiful the body of Christ. She wrote that and sang it. No, no, unfortunately <laughs> no. Um, she and Stephen Curtis Chapman did a few things together. Um, but anyway, uh, she had come out with this song, and, uh, and I, I don't know why, but I wrote it in the front cover of this Bible. Um, it took, you know, almost two pages. Um, and I want to read it to you. It says... If by love we show the world that we are his disciples, I can't take it lightly. I commit my love to you. I will 
tear down all the walls I built with my selfish pride, and I will crucify it. I commit my love to you. Because when we are divided, I can hear him crying. I can't be a part of breaking his heart anymore. I can't do it anymore. So, brother, I commit my love to you. And if you have offended me, you know you are forgiven. And I will not remember. I commit my love to you. I will see the best in all you do. And I will defend you when they come against you. I commit my love to you. Because when we are divided, I can hear him crying. I can't be a part of breaking his heart anymore. I can't do it anymore. When we are divided, I can see him crying. I won't be a part of breaking his heart anymore. I just can't do it anymore. So, brother, I commit my love to you. I commit my love to you. Now, I don't think, think that things happen, you know, in a vacuum or that I think uh, the older I get, the more convinced I am that um, everything that happens to us is part of God's plan or he's going to use it. I'm not saying he caused it, but he's going to use it in our lives. And, um, and he's going to teach us through those things. But I'll tell you, there are two things that really shut me down. I shouldn't be telling you all this, probably, because you might use it against me. But I, I commit my love to you, so I won't be offended. Um, one of them is uh, competition. If you start competing against me, I just stop. And I think that comes from being uh, the third son in the family, the little brother, the little, little brother. And... Um, but the second thing that really shuts me down and breaks my heart, and I have a real, real big problem with, is division in the ministry. Um, years ago, we would go places, and uh, it was all teenagers then, um, and we would go places to uh, teen functions, and um, I remember I was at High Point one time, and the youth pastor up there came up to me and said, how do you get your people to love each other? Our kids don't like each other, much less love each other. And uh, I said, I don't know. They just do. You know, that's just part of it. Um, and we've gone through some stages uh, in the last um, 15 years or so where there's been some division in the ministry. In fact, we, we went through a season of a lot of division there. And it's like the Lord has kind of brought us out of all of that, but it's still a very, very uh, painful thing to me. And I've come to believe that it's one of the big problems in the body of Christ is disunity. Um, and it, most of it starts out with somebody being offended by something. If I would tell you what some of the people that have come here have been offended by, you would laugh because it's so trivial. But people get offended. And, you know, and I'm not, I'm sure I do the same thing. Um, and by the way, they say if you uh, preach the gospel, you have to live the gospel. And I think that means two things. I think it means that um, don't get up and preach it if you're not living it, unless you tell people you're not living it. Um, don't stand up like a hypocrite, acting like you're doing all these things that you're not doing. Um, but I think the second part of it is everything you speak on, you are going to be tested on. So if you speak a message on unity and offense, 
you're probably going to run into some disunity and some offense. So I say to you before I start tonight, if I offend you, um, please forgive me and don't hold it against me. Um, I think that there's no question that unity is one of the most important things to the God the Father. I think that's a really big thing to him. Um, he says um, in um, Psalm 133.1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. And, of course, we know that there's no male or female in Christ, so that includes everybody, male or female, when they're together in unity. And, by the way, he goes on and he says uh, about uh, the oil running down Aaron's beard. And the, the um, it's, he says it's like when the oil runs down uh, Aaron's hair and comes down and runs out his beard. Um, that has to do with the anointing, and it says uh, it's like the dew on Mount Hermon. And what Mount Hermon was, it was a, 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 a mountain in uh, Israel um, that was known for um, an unusually large amount of dew falling. And for a country that was arid, a desert-like country in a lot of places, even though Israel is so varied, it depends where you go in Israel, but a lot of it is mountainous and, and uh, real dry kind of conditions. Um, that was a real big thing to them. The Jews got it, you know. Uh, the dew coming down on Mount uh, Hermon was uh, something real special. All right, what does it do when the body of Christ is in unity? We all know these. We've been taught these. But I'm just going to review some of these quickly tonight. Uh, it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And you know why the Lord doesn't move sometimes here and other places? We're not in one accord. You know, there's division here. This person doesn't like that person, or this person's been offended by another person, and that kind of thing. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want to be real careful when I say what I'm fixing to say because I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying. But the Lord has uh, shown me, I feel like, for uh, several months now that he's in the process of, um, of moving people around, of realigning them and, and putting them in different fellowships. And, and uh, we've had some people that have left here. It was not because they were bad people because the Lord had another place for them to be. Um, but we've seen a lot of people come and a lot of people go. And um, one of the most exciting things for me personally in the last few months is these college kids coming in because they're so passionate. You know, they're so, they want to learn, they want to know, and they're so passionate. And they, they're the kind of kids that They'll get up and go, you know, confront you about something, or they'll get up and go and pray with you about something. Uh, not in a prideful way, but that's just the way their Christianity works. They're taught to go uh, out into the highways and byways and confront people with the gospel, and they do that. Um, you know, when we get older, we get kind of uh, slack on all that sometimes, and we're not as, uh, as uh, diligent about doing some of those things as we should be. And when we, are, when we are diligent, 
what other older people think we are. They think we're nuts, you know, basically. So, but who cares, right? All right, now the importance of unity at the end of the age. And this is uh, the fivefold ministry offices. And it amazes me that uh, many denominations will tell you that after the canonization of Scripture, after all the apostles died, there were no new apostles and there were no new prophets. And they will tell you, and this is absolutely incorrect, you can look it up yourself, but they will tell you that the word for prophesying in the New Testament is a word that means to preach. It does not mean that. Um, it is talking about what we consider prophecy, a foretelling of something that's uh, going to come. Uh, but anyway, the Lord gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, some people think pastor and teacher are the same thing. Uh, I differentiate the two, but it's not any big deal to me, but um, because I believe that you can uh, be in more uh, than one office. There, there are apostolic uh, pastors, for example, or there are uh, prophetic evangelists um, and so forth. All right, why did he give these gifts to the church? He gave them for the perfecting of the saints. Now, that does not mean what we in the English language take it to mean we think that means he's trying to make us get better and better and better until we are perfect. That's not what it's talking about here. A better word there would be equipping, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Why do they need equipping? They need equipping for the work of the ministry. And uh, we hold a lot of uh, Wesleyan theology here, and we believe in the priesthood of all believers. We believe everybody's called into ministry of some kind. Um, okay. Um, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or complete man. All right. Now, let me ask you, is the body of Christ today in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God? Is it? Absolutely not. It is not. Uh, anybody can look at the church today and tell that. Well, he says he gave these offices until that was going to come to pass. If it hadn't come to pass, it means that those offices are still operating in the world today, and we're still called to those things. All right. Um, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slay of man and cunning craftiness by which they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things who is the head, even Christ. Now, we, in my lifetime, and some of you older people can agree or disagree with this, but I will tell you in the last two years, I have never seen as um, many... Uh, winds of doctrine out there that are that are they're blasphemous at least and the at the at the greatest they're blasphemous at the least they're just crazy they're not they don't follow scripture they have nothing to do with scripture and we've talked about some of those uh, different things that are out there uh, today uh, um, and some of them are pretty bizarre things I mean uh, uh, one of the worst is uh, the um, 
homosexual uh, agenda says, well, the Lord says there's no male or female in Christ, so what does it matter who you're with? Um, it's that kind of thing. And uh, we have got to be very word-oriented, and we can't take something out of t context from Scripture and build a doctrine on it like that's being done today. Um, but we've got to speak the truth in love, and that's where a lot of Christians miss it. They don't speak the truth in love. They speak the truth, but it's not in love. It's in offense, you know, and, uh, and it drives people away. Uh, may grow up into him in all things who is the head, even Christ, from which the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which each every joint supplies according to the effectual working and the measure of every part. So everybody has a place. Everybody has a part. Uh, your part may not be to be the head. It may be to be the arm or something or, or the hand. Uh, but everybody has a place in the body of Christ. Um, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So why did the Jesus give these gifts? He gave it for protecting or equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for edifying or building up the body of Christ so that we may come into unity, and we are not in unity in the body of Christ today, and into knowledge of the Son of Man. And we remember Paul said that was the goal of his life, uh, this is a man who spent considerable time uh, with the Lord and even had visions and was caught up in the third heaven. And yet what he said, and he is writing, I think it's to the Philippians, he said that his goal in life was to know Jesus better. You know, he wanted to know him better. And that should be your goal in life, no matter what stage you're in, what level you're in, according to knowing him, uh, you should still have that desire uh, to know him better, to a, a perfect or complete or mature person. Now, these offices, they kind of went off the chart for a while. And, uh, and in our generation, in my lifetime, uh, the Lord has started restoring all these things. And he emphasized this office, then he would emphasize this office, and then he emphasized the next office. In the 50s, it was the evangelist. And most of these people that were evangelists in the 50s were um, um, healing evangelists. Um, you know, if, if we started seeing, and we're going to see this, and we've seen it to a small extent already, but we're going to see people come here and be uh, gloriously, dramatically healed. I believe that. Do you? You know, we saw that at um, Epworth, right? The man couldn't walk. Uh, very well without a cane. His cane's hanging back there in my closet. Um, and so we know that when people begin to operate in those giftings, it's going to draw people to Jesus. They're going to want to know, you know, hey, what's going on here? Well, I want to know that same person you know that's uh, operating in your life. Um, Oral Roberts is one of the most uh, famous of these people, and Catherine Kuhlman, uh, Catherine Kuhlman was probably the greatest healing evangelist that's ever been in the United States, ever. Uh, but Oral Roberts was also good. Oral Roberts got a lot of flack because of some things he said that people didn't understand, and uh, they kind of uh, uh, started uh, criticizing him. But he was on television every week, uh, and he had these tent crusades, and people would come forward, and he'd pray over them and stuff, and... Uh, um, 
but that was the evangelists in the 50s and the 60s, the pastors. And the Lord started to spirit fill pastors that were not normally in denominations that believed in the charismatic movement, um, the Episcopalians. Uh, I went to a, a funeral this week, and if you're Episcopalian, we bless you tonight in the name of Jesus. Uh, I don't believe in criticizing other people's denominations. There's no point in it. But I went to a funeral that was an Episcopalian funeral uh, today, and, and what is it, what was it? It was high church. You know, it's really uh, liturgy, and, and everything's high church, you know. And, um, um, and that's what some people really uh, get into. Well, the charismatic movement's not high church, is it? It's crazy, you know. And so... Um, the Lord started to fill with the Spirit some of these Episcopal priests like Harold Bradison and Dennis Bennett, and um, then a man named Jack Hayford, who was not an uh, Episcopalian, I don't think, but he came on the scene, and, uh, and I put my own pastor there, uh, Don Van Hoosier, and, um, and what did they do? They came on the scene, and they modeled how a shepherd was to look after the flock. In the 70s, we saw the movement of the teachers, and this is mainly um, promoted by, um, well, I say mainly, Kenneth Hagin and Derek Prince would be the, the two heavies in there, I think, but uh, Kenneth Copeland, um, John Osteen. Uh, and by the way, John Osteen is, was nothing like uh, um, his son. Um, what's his name? Joel. Joel. Um, he... he he was nothing. That he he was not the kind of man that Joel Osteen. Whether you like him or not, they were not uh, they were not the same kind of people. John Osteen was a real powerful, powerful uh, preacher, um, and um, he, he was part of the, the teaching movement. Was everything they taught one hundred percent correct? No, it wasn't. Is everything we teach one hundred percent correct? No. Why? Because we look through a glass dimly. We don't see the whole picture. The Lord doesn't show us everything. Um, in his wisdom, he doesn't show us everything because if he did, we'd get so full of pride, we wouldn't be able to do anything. All right? And then the 80s was the prophetic movement, and these kind of spilled over into the 90s, and, you know, they didn't necessarily stay just in 10-year increments, but the prophets came along. And uh, again, uh, some of these prophets made some very bad mistakes. Uh, uh, one of the uh, most precious pr prophetic man um, was Bob Jones. Bob Jones was a little stocky man. Um, he was probably maybe a little taller than I am, but he was a stocky man. He, he liked to wear these Hawaiian shirts. And um, he was uh, an ex-Marine, so he, he had the you know, crew-cut hair. And, uh, but he's one of the most phenomenal prophets in this country that's ever been. He did something that was very wrong. I don't think we need to go into it here. But um, he uh, did something that uh, he was, uh, thank goodness, called on the carpet about. And these people made him uh, um, be accountable to them for a certain time period. And, um, and he fulfilled that, and he realized what he had done was not, not right, and uh, he confessed that and so forth. But, um, and uh, John Paul Jackson, who's gone to be with the Lord, Paul Cain, uh, who also had a moral failure and uh, um, 
and but he's still on the scene today. Bobby Connor was a Baptist preacher that uh, was uh, um, received this prophetic mantle and so forth. And then in the 1990s um, were the apostles and the apostolic movement. Um, Bill Wagner was he's kind of considered the uh, apostolic apostle of every all the apostles, you know. Um, I personally like Dr. Bill Hammond. Uh, he's down at uh, Christian International in uh, Florida, uh, Santa Rosa Beach in Florida. All right, why are these gifts necessary for today? Again, they're necessary to bring the body of Christ into unity and um, to, to bring us into a deeper, uh, more intimate knowledge of um, Christ Jesus. That's our goal is to know him. Um, the body is not going to come to maturity nor the sons of God company. What is the sons of God company? It's when it's what all creation is waiting expectantly for since this company signals the imminent and soon return of Jesus who will come back for a bride without spot or blemish. Now we know that the, the bride is not without spot or blemish yet um, and the Lord's going to deal with that. Um, and so um, um, the called out ones or the church are going to come to this unity and they're going to come to the knowledge of the Son of God. Um, by the way, there is a teaching out there and I think this is dangerous and I don't want to talk a lot about this tonight uh, because it's uh, from some very prominent people in this area. Um, there's a teaching that Christ has already returned and um, that and, and um, that his return was not in a visible body but as a spirit and this is refuted by scripture so you know when you hear that uh, don't um, be ugly and, and you know you're not going to help anybody by being ugly and um, real uh, but, you, but you need to say well the Bible says this you know just point them to the scripture um, all right Offense. Let's get into the offense part of the message. All right. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Now, what happened in the, the church in Corinth was this. Um, they were a real sensuous kind of church. You know, they had a lot of fleshly things going on and some division in there. And, um, you know, I think some man married his, um, you know, I don't remember what it was, but he married uh, his wife's mother or something I don't know I don't remember but yeah it was something crazy and and um all this stuff was going on so Paul wrote the Corinthians to kind of set them straight you know this is what's supposed to do this is what you're supposed to do now that's very logical because Christianity was new right and if you were over there in Corinth and um you wanted to be a Christian you needed to know what being a Christian was all about you couldn't do just anything if you became a Christian and so he wrote a, um, a letter to the Corinthians. I think he probably wrote more than just two, but he wrote a letter that it was canonized as scripture. And, um, and what happened was after they got this letter, some people got in there and started discrediting Paul and saying, he's nobody. You know, why are we listening to him and stuff? And so he really wrote the second Corinthians as a way to explain that he had the authority to say what he had to say because uh, he was an apostle, and uh, he was sent by the apostles, and he was 
had not had a uh, experience, a, an encounter with Christ Jesus, and so forth. Um, but he wrote to the church uh, a sharp rebuke, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. And what does carnal mean? It means fleshly people. You know, you can either walk in the spirit or you can walk in the flesh. And frankly, most of the time, we what do we do? We walk in the flesh. I mean, we're not walking in the spirit. That's why we have problems that we do. All right? Um, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. In other words, they were still what? Children. They were little children. They, they hadn't grown up in the Lord. They couldn't eat meat. They had to eat. Um, they had to eat, drink milk. For here, too, you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Now, how would you like to, Paul to say that about us? I would teach you some deep things, but y'all can't handle it. You know, y'all are too carnal. That's that was <laughs> really offensive. For you are carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walked as men? So what is he saying? He says, if you want to know if somebody's carnal or not, look and see if there's divisions and uh, um, so forth and uh, disunity. And if, they, if there's dis divisions and offenses and disunity, then they're carnal believers. So there are a lot of churches around here that are what? Carnal believers because there's a lot of division there. Um, I observed through the years that those that are quick to find offense, especially over <coughs> trivial matters, um, such as silly stuff. What side is the church going to put the organ? You know they have actually had church splits over that. They've had church splits over the color of the carpet. Um, you know, where, which side the preacher sits on, you know, those kind of things. Um, and they're very childish, and it just shows us that those believers hadn't gone on to maturity. Um, and these people usually wrongly think that church is about them. And I'm going to tell you all, all, all of us need to, to say this over and over. Church is not about us. It's about Jesus. Amen. You know, we're not going to church to get our needs met. We're going to church to do his will and to uh, minister to others. Um, he says, Paul says in uh, um, Philippians 1, 9 through 10, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So he's praying, let's don't have offense, you and our church, uh, until Jesus comes back. Um, then he speaks again of those who caused disunity and offenses in Romans 16, 17 through 18. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who caused divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. So what does Paul tell us to do with these people that are causing division? Avoid them. Yes, we're supposed to avoid them. Let's don't go, uh, you know, party with them or whatever. Let's avoid them, you know, because they're they're carrying a, a, a spirit of offense that will, uh, it's like a bad apple that will ruin the whole um, bushel of apples. Um, we must remember that we are family. We're all parts of one body, and each of us has different work to do 
And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. There's going to be a, a move, I think, in the body of Christ in, um, in, in the days ahead, and I hope it's here, very strongly here, when this, these bodies of people are going to feel like their family. They're going to feel even more like their family than they are with their natural family. Um, and I think that's going to happen. Um, all right. Uh, we're not going to look at all of these in the interest of time tonight, uh, but you can go back and read them. Um, it says, uh, Galatians 6.10, when we have the opportunity to help anyone, we should do it. But we should give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. And, you know, we have a kind of have an unwritten policy here, and uh, we get a lot, a lot, a lot of prayer, I mean, um, monetary requests here, um, a lot. You'd be shocked. Um, and the, the thing that I have finally uh, come to believe and understand is that um, we should be helping the people that are coming here before we help the people that are not coming here. Now, you may not agree with that, but I, I do think that that's scriptural, you know. Um, you know, if, if we have a sister in our midst who doesn't have any, that, that's having, well, I don't think she'd mind me using the example, Joe Hill. She had to have a medical procedure that cost a lot of money. And um, the ministry, um, um, you know, gave her some help on that. And I feel like we should have done it for her before we do it for somebody that comes knocking on the door that's never come over here and never participated over here. Um, and we don't even know them. We don't even know where they're going, how they're going to use the money. And, um, but these people that come here regularly, you know, I know you. I know Nancy um, Granger's not a drug addict. Uh, and, you know, and I know Tammy Carr's not a prostitute and all this kind of stuff. I know, <laughs> I, I know all these things. And so I can help you before I could help somebody on the outside. Um, all right, let's um, go to the how do we come to unity and avoid offenses. The first thing we do is love as he loved. And frankly, we can't do it. You know, we cannot do that. We can try, but really we don't have the power in us, I don't think. I mean, I think that the... Um, that we certainly can't do it without uh, operating in the spiritual. If we're in the spirit, maybe we can do it. We can have the agape love that he talks about. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, what if the body of Christ just did that? It would revolutionize the, the body of Christ, you know. And everybody would be trying to jump on board, too. Um, and by the way, the, the, um, the Christian church is, is um, uh, growing um, phenomenally over the world. It's the fastest growing religion in the world. In fact, they say, uh, read the book Mega Shift by uh, uh, James Rutz. Uh, if you'll read that book, he tells you that by uh, in the 2030s or something, I don't know exactly the date, but he said, if things keep going like they're going, the whole world will be Christian by 2030. Now, we don't see that in America. The fastest growing religion in America is um, Muslim religion. You know, uh, Islam is the fastest growing religion in America. 
So we got a lot to do. We got a lot of catching up to do. Um, all right. Um, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. You have love one for another. Um, and that's just what we need to do is love one another. Um, let's look at First Thessalonians 4, 9 through 10. We do not need to write you about having love for your Christian family. We don't, he doesn't need to write us. Why? We ought to know that. You know, we're not dumb. Uh, we act like we are sometimes. I act like I'm dumb sometimes. Um, but we're not. Uh, we should already know that. Because God has already taught you to love each other. And truly, you do love the Christians in all of Macedonia. Brothers and sisters, now we encourage you to love them evermore. Um, all right. Um, then the, let's go to First um, John 4, 7, 11. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. All right. Um, let's go to the second way, or the second thing we need to do to come into unity and avoid offenses is receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, especially peace and love. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. People that are baptized in the Spirit, they connect. And you know that. You people know what I'm talking about. You go somewhere... And if you're really in the spirit that day, and everybody has a bad day, the Lord's not ready to slap you down and throw down a lightning bolt because you've had a bad day. But if you're really operating in the spirit, you can go into a group of people and know immediately who the Christians are. You just feel it in your spirit. Um, okay. And then finally, uh, we bless and not curse. That's tough. It sounds easy, doesn't it? But it's not. You know, so-and-so did this to me, and I hope that somebody slaps them in the face, you know. Or I hope the Lord just brings, uh, makes them miserable for the rest of the week, and I hope they feel like a Mack truck's run over them. Um, that's, that's in our flesh. That's our flesh nature. It says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love his brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to, to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So what do you get when you bless and not curse? You get a blessing. Don't you want a blessing? Okay. I believe many in this place will behold Jesus coming in the eastern sky. And I see that. You know, these young men that come in here, I just get so excited because I'm thinking, these are part of an in company of believers, whatever you want to call them, 
and um, the Lord is stirring something in them, and uh, more than likely they will be here when Jesus comes back. Now, I'm not a date setter. I don't have any idea when he might come. Um, my thinking is it's not going to be next year because of some things in the scripture, but, but who knows? He may come tonight. I'm ready to go. Um, he loves and desires his bride. What is holding him back? He is waiting for a bride that has made herself ready. And we can stretch our imagination and still have to admit that she is not ready. The church is not ready. This ministry is not ready. I think uh, that is the one thing all believers, whether they're traditionalists, charismatics, Pentecostals, or fundamentalists, and we say, the, if anybody says the, the, um, the church is not divided up, just have them read all these names. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the um, fundamentalists don't like the traditionalists and the Pentecostals don't like the charismatics and so forth. The word says, for the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And we know that the enemies of Christ are not his footstool yet. And, um, and I believe that he's going to use us to make his enemies his footstool. We all know that there are many enemies actively working today against Christ and his church. Our own country has seen a total disregard for our uh, Judeo-Christian values as it has tried to make everything politically correct. Politically correct makes me want to vomit. I'm sorry I'm being plain. but um, America will reap what is being sown right now by our national leaders we're 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 uh they're doing things that uh, and have been doing things for the last several years um that we're going to reap um at, at some point um and i believe it'll be a great judgment on the land uh you know i was thinking uh this week uh, where are all the problems where are most of the problems in the united states right now California. What's going on in California? Mudslides, uh, forest fires, just all kinds of things are going on out there. And where is most of the pornography exported to the rest of the world from? California. Um, now I will say this, there are a lot of prophetic people um, that believe that um, Hollywood's going to be called Hollywood before it's over because these stars are going to come into a real relationship with Jesus. And there are stars that, that uh, have a relationship with Jesus, but um, they're, they're not very many. And even those are, uh, I feel like, are forced to compromise a lot of times. Um, okay. Um, we seem to be walking in much defeat, but beneath the surface there is a powerful saints movement, quietly being called forth by the living God. Now, uh, Dr. Bill Hammond was the one who um, coined the phrase the saints movement. He took all of the different church ages and movements. Fascinating book. It's called The Eternal Church is one of them and Equipping the Saints is another one. It'd be a very valuable read for you. Um, but um, he says that the, that the saints movement, which he believes started a, a few years ago, actually, and, and don't let that bother you because things start slow 
and we don't see them for a while, but then they come on pretty strong. Um, but he believes that this will be a movement that will be on the same level as the Protestant Reformation. That will be that big a thing. Um, the church will take her rightful place and refuse compromise and be a force to be reckoned with. The remnant company of the last days, and uh, this is the son's company, is being raised up to take back what the enemy stole. This is what all creation is groaning for and waiting expectantly for, it says, for the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God, Romans 8, 19. And then Galatians 4, 1 uh, speaks of the immature believers who are children. Um, it's um, not the mature bride or son's company that has made herself ready. He says, Paul wrote, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. The word contrasts these children to the son. Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. You know that you're joint heirs with Jesus. You know that uh, um, because of Christ Jesus, you are an heir of God. Um, all right, the children have grown up. They no longer have a servant's mentality, but a son's mentality. A son who is in covenant relationship with a pattern son and walking in maturity and unity with the body. The church must come to unity and maturity before the coming of the king. We are in this day and will most likely see Christians delivered up to be afflicted and killed, false prophets, iniquity abounding, the love of many becoming cold, the great harvest at the end of the age, the gospel of the kingdom preached in all the nations, the characteristics of the days of Noah and Lot, and the restoration of Israel both naturally and spiritually. And you can study more about uh, the Lord's coming by reading the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and 25. But I just say to you tonight that there is a, um, the, the Lord is going to call us to drop offenses. You know, we've got to forgive people and drop the offenses and uh, we've got to operate in unity. I've got to have your back. You've got to have my back. And, um, and you're going to see the Lord begin to, when we, when, there are two things I think that are, are very necessary for what the Lord is going to do here. Uh, one is, is unity. And sometimes this is hard, a hard place to be in family unity because there are people in and out all the time. Uh, you know, it's hard to be in unity with somebody sitting next to you you don't even know. Um, and so you need to get to know these people, you know, and you need to start um, um, spending some time with them, getting up and praying with them and so forth. Um, but I think uh, to go back to what Eric said, uh, uh, piggyback on what he said, but it's going to be worship that's going to explode the house. You know, when, when true worship comes, it is the sign to me that the Lord is moving in power and equipping his saints to do um, the, the last day's work. And we are, uh, some of us uh, here, I don't know that I'll be in it. It doesn't matter to me either way, but some of us are going to be called to the last day's work. And uh, we're going to uh, 
see some uh, wonderful things and some terrible things. And, you know, if you, the Lord is not calling wimps today or sissies, um, you know, you, you don't don't get uh, just quit because you there's, you know, what does it say? Uh, if you can't stand the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Well, if you can't stand the heat, you need to get out of here. You need to get out of the body, you know, um, because we're going to go through some heat. We're going to go through some probably false accusations and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, in the end, the Lord's going to be glorified. And I'm going to tell you what, if you stand for him, guess what? You're going to be glorified too. Um, my prayer is this, uh, um, see his glory come down. You know, if, we could, if I could have anything uh, for you people here in this house, it would be for his glory to come down in this place. Um, we don't, we don't have to have, uh, um, you know, the tickling and all that kind of stuff and, and whoopee kind of um, emotions and stuff. Uh, you know, y'all are beyond that. You're more mature than that. Um, it's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be exciting. It's not always going to be interesting. But if you hang in there, the Lord is going to give you all of that too but uh, he's going to give it to you in his time. Um, that's right. That's, that's right. And you have, to, you have to really decide that. Every one of you individually have to decide that there's no other way. Um, and um, some of you are going to be launched out, I think. There's some people here. And to some extent, you already have, but there's going to be a, a launching out of some people from this body, there's always been really people you don't know have been launched out. We have people all over the world, really. I'm, I don't talk about that much because it's not, it's not first love. It's Jesus, you know, that launched them out. They just happened to come here for a while. But I believe that the Lord is going to launch some of you out. I think many of you will stay right here in this area, but your light will shine bright, and you'll see many people come into a relationship with him. And my caution to you is this, stick with the word. Stick with the word. I don't care who says it. If I say it and it's not backed up by the word, don't believe it. You know, and call my hand on it too. Love me enough that you call my hand on it. Um, none of us are perfect. Um, you know, we are, we're not going to hit a home run every time we minister. Uh, that's just not the way ministry operates. Um, but you're not going to quit because you didn't hit a home run, are you? You're going to get up and bat again the next time your turn comes to bat, right? Um, and so I just feel like that we're going to see some things begin to break loose. I think I always think this. I'm like the coach that thinks his team is always going to win. They may be, uh, you know, ten, uh, 10 out of 10. Uh, I mean, they may be like the lowest – uh, of the pole, they may be at the bottom, um, but the coach still thinks they're going to win when they go play number one, and I'm kind of that way too. Um, I believe that uh, we're going to win. Uh, now, I hate to even say this now, but uh, I think Epworth is going to be another turning point for some people. I, yeah, I think that. Um, um, and I would encourage you to, to go. Um, 
because I think the Lord is going to speak to us in some ways there. Um, and, um, and by the way, I'll tell y'all a little secret, uh, which I <coughs> probably shouldn't tell y'all, but forgive me. It's, it's, it's um, easier to ask forgiveness instead of permission. But it looks like now that Yvonne Gearhart will be moving to Perry. So, so uh, we'll see. Uh, uh, she says that, that she and her pastor feel like that the Lord has said she's to come to Perry. So I don't think it's going to happen right away. But, uh, um, and, and again, you know, these reach out to these college kids, love on them, speak into their lives. Um, they are gung-ho and they're charged up and uh, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're at the stage of life that they want to give it all to Jesus, all. You know, we get older and we don't want to give it, we want to give them all except this little part over here. Uh, don't make me move to Africa or whatever. Um, there used to be a musical, I'll end on this, I could talk to y'all all night, but um, there was a musical that was very popular um, several years ago, and um, and the title song of the musical was, um, um, and I'll just make up the school name, but um, your school, whatever it is, but the title song was, I'd rather go to Africa than, than Perry High. I'd rather give my testimony to the natives than have to give it at Perry High, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and uh, and so some of us have that kind of mentality that that you know we we're not all in. Uh, these kids are getting all in, uh, and you know what? Everybody's coming against them. The parents don't want it. They don't want their children, you know, becoming missionaries and and pastors. They don't want that. You know, they, they want them to get them a, a good job, make a lot of money, you know. And, uh, you know, if you went home, if they went home and told their parents they were going to be lawyers and doctors, they'd be thrilled. Um, and I'll tell you this, too. Some of them don't want their children coming over here. Um, and so, you know, because they don't want, they want to be Christians in name only, you know. Um, um, I guess that would be. CINOs, Christians in name <laughs> only, instead of rhin rhinos. There's yes, yes. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray tonight that you would um, just stir the hearts of people here, Lord. We don't we don't want to just have a meeting. We want to meet with you, Jesus. We want you to be here. And I just pray that you would, in a special way, that you would begin to nudge some people here. Father, you've got some uh, uh, things coming up for some people here. And uh, just begin to nudge them, Lord God. Begin to wake them up, Lord God. Begin to uh, stir their spirits, Father. Begin to show them that they've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that their time on earth is very, very important to you. And Lord, help us not uh, um, waste our time on things that don't really matter. Help us put our focus entirely on you, Jesus. Lord, we know we have to 
um, in a sense, make a living and do all those things, Father. But let our emphasis be on you, Jesus. Let our, uh, as we wake up in the morning, let us think about you. And let us uh, pray and ask you to tell us what to do each day and who to minister to. And Father, I, I know there's some financial needs in this um, in this house tonight. Um, Lord, you're our source, not not man. Lord, we don't have to sign up for the publisher's clearing house, Lord, um, because that's not our source. You're our source, and so we look to you to be who your word says you are, Jehovah Jireh, and uh, lose some finances for some people here in this place. And Father, give people peace. Uh, Lord, uh, there's some, uh, um, a lot of times we come with worry and we come with anxiousness and we, we fear our, um, our health. Lord God, we fear so many things, Lord. Uh, um, and I just pray you give people here peace tonight, Lord. And they would not be concerned about anything except loving and serving you. And the outflow of that would be to love your people. Lord, help us to love your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. Thank you, Bruce, what is your um, apartment?